Welcome to Home, Space and Reason, a podcast about creating a home that thrives. Hi there, I'm Christina Browning, your host. If you know your home could be so much more than it is, I discuss home functionality, aesthetics, and automation. I am a realtor in Portland, Oregon, and a home functionality coach nationwide. I geek out on every subject imaginable regarding your home and yard, challenging you to think of your space differently to get the most out of every square foot. I pose questions for you to think through about your space and your reason. This podcast is all positive, offering you virtual fist bumps and celebrating every win. Remember, there's no such thing as perfect, but you can still aim for your best every day. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, search for the handle space and reason. In this episode, let's discuss buying a home. And because I'm not a traditional realtor, and from my perspective, the more you've thought things through ahead of time, the more happy you'll be with the outcome. It's about setting up proper expectations. And even if you aren't thinking of moving in the next year, this is a fun episode to listen to for whatever is next. I would also recommend that you listen to episode 10 because they kind of go hand in hand. As a realtor, I've been in a lot of homes, as you might imagine, and I swear that I would become a different person if I were living in each house based on what the house's assets were and how it speaks to me when I'm there. How is your home suppressing or encouraging different activities? What things might be hobbies that turn into a new path for your life? If you are put into an environment that encouraged something different, that sparked a spark inside your soul, who would you become? If you haven't listened yet, tune in to this episode, episode 10, about who your home is encouraging you to become. It's one of my most favorite, especially if you like to mentally chew on things for a while. Whether you already own a home and you're considering moving or you haven't yet purchased your first home, this is a great episode for you. It's super fun to think about the future, your future, and what it might hold and how a choice in home A over home B might affect the outcome of your well-being and overall happiness. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a person about buying a home and they rattle off what they think their parameters are, which often include bedroom, bathroom count, square footage, or maybe the neighborhood they're most interested in. It's my job to get a little deeper, ask more clarifying questions because there's a zillion versions of a three bed, two bath home in the ideal neighborhood. And because I have some great questions, I'm going to put these up front in this episode. Some questions to ask yourself about your ideal home space. Grab a pencil. Question number one. Do I or does anyone in my family cook or bake? There are people whose passion it is to prepare delicious food, and there are people like my friend Ginger who would rather grab takeout and spend her money and time traveling. However, design is her passion. So despite wanting a small, unassuming kitchen space, 
a smeg refrigerator would be divine, no? So if you love to cook, is a gas stove important? If it is, add that to your list. Some homes come gas ready, despite maybe not having a gas stove. So you'll want to inquire because perhaps you can swap the stove out. Question number two, have I thought about flex space so that I can have an alternate work from home space if necessary? Have a yoga space or physical therapy space if necessary. Develop a small hobby into a small business or host guests. Flex space is a room that can morph with the seasons of your life and change as you change. Make a list of all the things you might want to do someday and figure out what kind of space could serve many of these things on that list. Make your home work hard for you. Often you don't need more square footage, you just need convertible spaces. Question number three, taking the subject of homes out of it, what are my top five passions in life? And then, am I allowing space in this list to support these passions? So for example, if it's biking, do you have space for storage of the bikes and the gear to accompany it? Maybe this means using the vertical wall space in a garage for a double stack bike rack. Or if you live in the Midwest, maybe it means a pole barn for your off-road bikes and four-wheelers. If your passion is pottery and you spend hundreds of dollars a month leasing space for your pottery wheel and kiln, maybe it might make more sense to buy a home with a shop and move this equipment home so you aren't paying rent and the same money is being spent, but instead it's going toward your own investment. Just as important as bedroom and bathroom count is the dreaming of your future and your passions and making sure those things that light you up most are being supported by your home and this list. Have a shoe obsession? Maybe the master closet is the most important thing to you. Really think about this. Take time to make sure the description of the home you're looking for is a bit more tailored to you. Question number four, do I want outdoor space? And if so, what kind? Having some way to get outside for fresh air is important. Bright light and feeling the seasons is important. Am I a get my hands into the ground and plant stuff kind of person? Or do I just like to look at stuff and would rather have a great outdoor furniture set and read there with more minimal upkeep. Do I fantasize about the rose garden I remember my grandmother having when I was small? What kind of space do you need for that? And what kind of sun exposure? Do I want an outdoor space that is partially covered? And if so, how? Is this a sunroom with screens or a portico without sides? Question number five, what are my long-term plans? Don't necessarily buy a home for the life you have today. Are you planning on staying at your current job? And if you change, might you and your partner need to both work from home at some point? 
This means two workspaces in this scenario. Might you get married or have kids? Depending on the market and the terms of your mortgage, you may not actually pay down any real equity for between five and seven years. Between 2000 and 2009, the average home ownership duration was only about four years, which is too short to build real wealth. Thankfully, in 2020, the average homeownership duration has risen to roughly eight years. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, only 37% of Americans have lived in their home for more than 10 years. This is unfortunate because in order to generate real wealth from real estate, you need to own your property for as long as possible. And that translates to you right now need to think about what might happen within that time frame. Obviously, you can't predict the future, but thinking about it deeply and taking the mights and coulds into consideration when choosing a home that can handle the changes in seasons and functions is ideal. Question number six. Am I lying to myself? This is a really good time to step outside yourself and raise one eyebrow. What story am I telling myself and is it true? I'll give you an example. I've had clients who are obsessed with buying a home with a lot of land for a farm, but when push came to shove, they realized they both hated to do even the most basic things like mowing the lawn and had to come to terms with the fact that they liked the idea, the romance of owning a farm, but the day-to-day activities of actually doing it, maintaining it with no days off. Animals don't care if it's Sunday, they still need to eat. That part was unappealing to them. In their mind's eye, they thought they were farm people. They thought of themselves in that way. They loved visiting the farms that were in their family. Their daughter loved running and playing and petting the animals. But the day in, day out, no break drudgery of it was serious. And that part was not for them. So do this same test on yourself. What do I want And is it realistic? Once you have your list, once you have your list, next let's talk about the money bits. Three reasons why you need to get pre-approved before you start home shopping. The first one is you know what you can afford once you get pre-approved. If you start looking for features you want and go out and find the home of your dreams, You may not be able to qualify to buy that home, leaving you with one huge heartache. So don't start shopping until you know what you can spend. A lot of times a good mortgage person is going to say, here is the amount that you qualify for. And that is going to translate in X dollars per month. And really when the rubber hits the road, that is what matters most what your monthly outbound number is going to be and how comfortable that is for you. The second reason is protection for all parties involved. And I'm talking about both personal safety and protection of our time. If you're pre-approved, it means you filled out paperwork, provided a state-issued ID card, had your credit looked at, and you've been truly vetted. 
This is hard to do if you're a criminal looking to do harm. So having your pre-approval in hand gives the realtor you're working with comfort in knowing that you are who you say that you are. It also prevents everyone from wasting their time, including you. It would make no sense to spend seven hours looking at several homes if it turned out none of them were in your price range. What a disappointing loss of time. So having all the information first is the best position to make decisions from. The third reason is dear to my heart because I have been in this predicament so many times. It is so that you can move quicker. When you have your pre-approval in hand, you can just move faster or your real estate agent can. I'm going to tell you a story that comes to mind about one particular client of mine. The first home we walked into, they fell in love with. But being savvy people, they were like, no way are we buying the first house we see. And so we continue on our day and every house was compared to that first one. We saw a few more homes later in the week and were more and more confident that that first house was indeed the house for them. But there had already been multiple offers and one had been accepted. They were devastated. I called the selling realtor to let them know we were absolutely interested should anything go haywire with that current deal. I left a voicemail a few days later to remind them, and again a week after that, and again a week after that. Unbelievably, many weeks in, that original deal fell through, and the homeowners had already set things in motion to be out and buy another home, which put them in a pinch for time. So the agent called me. The other people who had offered at the same time were already under contract on other properties. So if you have a strong offer to give me in an hour and you can close quick, the house is yours, they explained. We had a shot. And because I had that pre-approval already in my hand, I was able to act fast. They got their offer in an hour and they got the house. Without that pre-approval, They would not have gotten that house for sure because the sellers would have had to put it back on the market and undoubtedly gotten several more offers, putting my clients back into a competitive situation. These are all really strong reasons why having a pre-approval in hand is the only way to go. Now, don't fret or be intimidated. Many companies do this process online through a secure portal so you don't have to show up at a big bank in your Sunday clothes. You'll have to round up some documents, some tax returns. The finance person will come back with, okay, I'm missing one month of this statement, or I need another pay stub, or I need your tax returns from the prior year. And you just jump through that next hoop. You don't really have to know what you are doing per se to follow the instructions that you're given. I'm one of those people who, when I bought my first house at 24, was a bit intimidated by the thought of seeing a loan officer because I don't know what I don't know. But if you find one that speaks at your level and gives you a checklist of things you'll need rounded up that you can methodically step through, you can do it. Alternately, I've worked with people who are high-powered executives not intimidated at all by the math or the industry jargon, but instead didn't think they could do it because of time restraints. It used to take more time because it used to require you go somewhere in person. Now, in most cases, it does not. 
So with coffee in hand, you can round up and add one more document before you start work in the morning and one more document after you've put the kids to bed. Now you need to find a realtor. And if you live in the Portland, Oregon area, give me a call. My contact information is in the show notes. If you don't live here, think about your natural style. Do you search online at 1am on your iPad and find homes you want to see? If so, find an agent that doesn't mind those sorts of texts at any hour. Online reviews are important so you understand what other people's experiences have been, but I would advise you though that you do not use an agent just because someone you know has used them before asking the important questions to make sure their style suits yours. If you need quick response time because nothing bothers you more than waiting a couple hours for an answer, make sure you find a responsive agent, not by their own reciting of it, but because someone has said they're responsive that has worked with them in the past. What other value-adding things are important to you? I offer my clients the benefit of painting a picture of how spaces can function differently for them. So I know this is the formal dining room that we're standing in right now, and I know you said you don't need a formal dining room, but see how it's set apart from the rest of the house? You said you wanted a bigger space for an art studio so you could have your easels and desk all in the same space. Look at the natural light here and the door. Just take out the chandelier and you've got yourself an incredible art studio. Being able to visualize things is important in making sure the home is set up right for you and functions well from the beginning for you and your family. Once you've connected with a realtor, sharing your pre-approval and wish list is just as important as your timeline. Remember the average close is 45 days and that's once you find the right house. So many things can affect the timeline, like holidays, pandemics, this seller needing to close slower than usual because maybe their next home is being built, or maybe they already have gotten an accepted offer on a home and are closing soon, so a faster than usual close might be ideal. Flexibility is key here. Oftentimes, it's a game of hurry up and wait. I also recommend that if possible, you don't get your heart set on being into a home by a particular date because that might subconsciously cause you to settle, to just move forward because that date is looming. Unless there's something that goes with that date, like the birth of your baby, don't put unnecessary pressure on yourself. So let's say you've got an accepted offer. Next, you'll put down earnest money. Earnest money is a dollar amount that you deposit with a neutral party like an escrow company, and it demonstrates that you're serious about purchasing the home. It's also sometimes called a good faith deposit. This is not an additional cost and is usually between 1% to 3% of the offer price. You need to know that this amount is what you need like in liquid form so you can actually make a deposit and this allows the seller to take the home off the market or mark it as pending while the transaction moves through its entire closing process. If you, as a buyer, change your mind, the earnest money is kept by the seller. 
Now, this does not include things like finding something during the inspection that is not okay with you and backing out. You would get your earnest money back so long as it's all done in the pre-required timeline. Let's say the inspection found that the house needed its foundation fixed and the seller refused to do that and the buyer would not pay out of pocket. The deal is dead and the buyer would get their earnest money back as long as all the documentation is provided and it's done within the timeline originally established. If all parties agree on the fixes to be done and sign off, the deal moves forward and the earnest money is applied to the buyer's down payment, your down payment or your closing costs. Basically, what earnest money does is it just reassures everyone that we're not messing around here. We're serious and we'll stick to our agreed upon timeline. Next, you'll want to have the home inspected. This helps you to really know what you're buying. There's no such thing as perfect, as you may have heard me say a time or two before. So the biggest thing you'll want to pay attention to is bigger ticket items. Is the building envelope intact and solid? Approximately how old is the roof and how much of its life is left? Is there a fire hazard with any of the wiring? Sometimes old homes can have very outdated wiring wiring, and no ground. So these are the sorts of things an inspection can reveal. You'll also get what's called a seller disclosure, telling you everything that the seller knows about the home. Things like there was a leak in the corner of the roof in 2009, and we had it repaired with XYZ company. These things are good to know. It's just a form that lets you know what they know. A good inspector will provide you with a written report, including photos, so you can reference this when getting bids for something to be fixed, or you can use it as a checklist for smaller things once you occupy the home. Now let's talk about the appraisal. During a home appraisal, a licensed appraiser conducts a thorough inspection of the property, including the condition upgrades or additions made to the home, and comps, comparable, recently sold properties that are similar in size and condition in that same geography. Also, the entity providing you financing might be four hours away, and the appraiser can provide photos saying, yes, this property does in fact exist. It has all the square footage that the listing says it has, and it's in good shape. I'm being general here, but you get the point. Next, honestly, it's a waiting game unless you're a cash buyer. The loan officer will jump through the different hoops with you and verify the things needed verifying. Eventually, the loan works its way to the end and it's closed and recorded. This requires a final signature from you and then a period of time for the transaction to be stamped. That is the time when the ownership transfers and the home is officially and legally yours. Who do you know that might enjoy an intellectual and positive podcast all about homes and the act of living in them to their best and highest potential? Help me spread the word. If you know that you want to buy a home in the future, one thing you can do today is consider every purchase, whether it's furniture or otherwise. The less duplicate things you have, the less you'll have to move. So maybe it's a good time to investigate what's in the back of those kitchen cupboards that you haven't touched 
and work on posting one thing a week on the Buy Nothing Facebook page. So without much time or effort, you'll end up with a lighter load and you'll need less room in the home you buy. Quality over quantity. Understanding scale, proportion, and how to choose art for your wall can feel complicated. If you know your room just doesn't feel right, but you can't put your finger on why, it might be because of scale. Learn more about these things and even a list of 20 ideas of what to put on your wall by listening to episode 43. If you have an Amazon Echo, you can say, play the Home Space and Reason podcast by Apple and easily listen on any Echo or Dot. If you happen to know someone in the market to buy or sell in the greater metro Portland, Oregon area, send them my way. The finest compliment I could ever receive is the confidence of your referral. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, or Facebook by searching for the handle Space and Reason. Thanks for sitting in on this conversation about creating a home that thrives. If you enjoyed this show, write a review because it lets others know that this is a podcast worth listening to. I'll meet you back here for the next episode. (laughs) 